without further ado. That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm going to leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore, and I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and the Golden State Warriors are back. They advanced to the NBA Finals in Game 5, a gentleman's sweep, which you would have heard about on a little show called Heat Check, which we do uh, every single week at Action Network, and we were asked for, for predictions for the series, and Brendan Glasheen took the Mavericks, and Raheem Palmer, who is no longer with Action Network, if you missed that, Raheem's goodbye yesterday, which Raheem, all the best, but boy, did he drink that Mavericks Kool-Aid too much, Brandon Anderson, as the Golden State Warriors get the gentleman sweep over the Dallas Mavericks, they advance the NBA Finals. Today, we're going to talk about We'll talk a little bit about this stuff from a non-actional standpoint. We we'll just talk about like the, the Warriors and like what this accomplishes and what we've I've learned from this season with them. We'll talk about that from a betting perspective. We'll give you a little bit of an advanced view. I want to talk a little bit about finals MVP because obviously our odds right now are probably going to be at the best. We'll talk about where the prices are for the, the, the potential series that we're expecting between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. We're recording this on Friday afternoon, so this will not be up until after uh, game six of Boston, Miami. We're expecting Boston to advance. If they don't, we're expecting to advance in game seven, even in Miami. We don't see the Heat losing two games or Heat winning two games in a row. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Everything we talk about can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. The best way for you to track your picks, get up to the second information on where the bets and money are coming in on. You can follow Brandon's picks, including that Jalen Brown Conference Finals MVP pick, which is still looking really solid. Uh, we did great last night or in the Warriors series overall, except for... Really, Brandon? They can't win the third quarter? Really? Of all the games, this is the one they can't win the third quarter? Really? Hey, man, I said the third quarter avalanche was coming. Did you not watch the end of the third quarter? The avalanche came. It just was not the team that I said it was going to be. Dallas Mavericks did not show up the entire game, except for for four minutes at the end of the third quarter. They went on a 14-0 run and blew our third quarter bet. The entire other 44 minutes, the Warriors were coasting and in control and... I think somebody pranked Clay Thompson. I think this feels like a very like, don't you think Steph Curry, his version of a prank would be like, hey, hey, Clay, hey, it's actually game six tonight. It's game six, Clay. It's your turn to shine. And then Clay comes out and drops eight threes on him. Like that feels like the sort of prank that Steph Curry would, would try to pull off. Clay put him away. Steph, not actually that good. Like he kind of had the, uh, the, the Kobe Bryant 15 on five of 17. Yay. You're the MVP sort of award. Yep. Uh, you know, he, he earned it on the base of the series, but um, yeah, not, not a close game. Uh, Steph earned it on the base of the series is what I'm saying. <laughs> no yeah, comment on the other names involved there. I would, I would, I would have gone with Wiggins. I, I still think he was really impactful and Steph was fine. Steph was, Steph was good. like, this is the whole yeah. thing with finals MVP is yeah, like, Steph is like, true. He's going to have good numbers, but if you're looking into the context of how the series felt from any sort of, which I think MVP does matter, I, I do think you kind of got to look at those type of things. So I'm going to be writing a column about this, about how I don't necessarily, like the, the Warriors are a dynasty and I'm not here to deny that they're a dynasty. Like this does, like it's the same core. It's Steph and Clay and Draymond and Looney and Steve Kerr. Like that's, that's enough of the key players involved for this to be part of a dynasty. This is going to be six finals in eight years for your Golden State Warriors. An incredible accomplishment. Um, it's funny because I said this in our meeting, everyone kind of comps them to the Bulls in the 90s because that's just like the comparison for, I think, every great team. 
to me, this is a lot more like Magic's Lakers or Bird's Lakers, where it's like they had these years and they did have like multiple years of making the finals. But over the entire decade of the of the 80s, they were defined. And it just so happened that Bird and Magic entered the beginning of that decade. Right. So like there was kind of a timeline lineup just because the Warriors kind of came to power in 2015, really. You can talk about 2013, but I don't. Like, they weren't really a, a dominant team until Kerr showed up. No one wants to mention that, but it's true. Um, and so, like, from 15, I think, through 25, we're going to be talking about, like, what the Warriors accomplished. I think it is a reminder. Look, I, I like the Warriors in preseason. They were, I had two big bets in preseason, and it was on the Denver Nuggets because I thought the number was insane. Whoops. And then on the Golden State Warriors at 12-1 to 1 to win the NBA title – and yeah, I'm going to victory lap, but I'm also going to talk about the fact that Brandon, I, you and I were, were, were the two on the pod that were on this. I don't know how much you bet preseason on the Warriors win the title. I know you had the Warriors mm-hmm. conference bet, but it was shocking to me that, that there was still kind of this like, well, you know, we'll see. And all the, I'm like, this is still Steph Curry. It's still Draymond Green. It's still Clay Thompson. People were talking about, they would be like, well, they're older now guys until you're 35, I don't have worries about the slide. That's where the new modern NBA science is, is that until you're 35, I'm not especially, or if you're a big man, I'm not especially worried about like a a real significant decline. I'll just say this, like hanging the Warriors as this big dog to win the title, Brandon, was patently nuts. Yeah, look, you you were backing them from the start. My Warriors West bet, I looked yesterday, my West Warriors bet was from our podcast at the start of the playoffs. That's the first time I finally bought back on Warriors futures. I didn't have any before that. And part of it was, I liked the Warriors coming into the season. You loved them. You loved their number. I liked it. I didn't want to play it early. Where where I thought the season would go is I thought that the Warriors would start out slowly while Clay was not back yet, we thought coming into the season he'd come around Christmas or something like that. I thought they'd maybe start out slowly and then that you wouldn't want to bet Warriors futures early because they'd maybe take some time to get back into their groove, take some time to get Draymond back looking healthy again, get Clay into the lineup, and then there'd be a value spot late. The season went completely opposite of that. You wanted to bet the Warriors immediately like you did because then they came out of the gates and went 18 and two and crushed everyone and was like, hey, by the way, we're the Warriors. Remember us? Remember we do the thing? We don't have Clay back. We don't have Jordan Poole doing Jordan Poole stuff yet. We're just Steph and Draymond and we're just that good. We're the Warriors. My takeaway from the year is, look, by the time we got there, you remember, I was in. I was in more than you at that point, but it was too late to bet it. I was like, Warriors are back. This is the team. This is the title favorite. They're way out ahead. They're head of the Suns. They're head of the Jazz at the time. That actually was meaningful. And then the Warriors threw us all off the scent because Steph got hurt and Draymond got hurt. And we never really got the Warriors are the Warriors again the rest of the season. So I think a takeaway for me is when a team shows you who they are, you have to take it for what it is. And nobody thought the Warriors were the team we saw in February or in March or when all the injuries were happening. Nobody thought that was the Warriors, but we like let it factor into all of our numbers and perceptions. And we're like, well, I don't know. Maybe they're vulnerable and maybe they're old. Like, no, the Warriors were this awesome at the start of the season. Yeah. And now they got healthy again. And now they're the Warriors again. So in future years, they are older. We're going to get years where like Steph plays 60 games or 30 minutes a game or something. And we're going to have weeks and months where the Warriors aren't the Warriors anymore. For me, the takeaway is until I see it in the playoffs, 
with a healthy Warriors team, they're still the Warriors. And I have to give them the credit for what they are until they show me they're not. See, what I think is interesting is I kind of disagree on the, on the notion of them being the Warriors. This is a different team. And I'm going to yes. write about it, not, not just to like, it's very easy to be like, well, sure. Like they've got Andrew Wiggins instead of Harrison Barnes or Kevin Durant. And they've got, you know, the different bench and all these kind of, Sean Livingston is gone, all these types of things. But for me, it's more about this Warriors team isn't as explosive as the 15, 16, 17, 18 teams. Yeah. Um, and really honestly with KD, they were never that explosive because their effort level was low because it was too easy for them. But they were they were still able to go on these runs where it was just like, it's over. Like they would hit you with these massive ones. Golden State still has a little bit of that, but it's muted. The best thing about it, I think, is that the like, Warriors just feel like a normal, great team to me. And like, that's honestly very satisfying to me who hated the prime warriors run because of how inevitable it felt. I hated feeling like, yeah, the warriors eventually are going to hit you with a 21, three run. And it's going to be over. They're going to hit a bunch of threes and that's it. Right. This team. And what's impressive to me is that this team is really built on, and this is the difference. This team is built on defense and that 15 team, this team is closer to me to the 2015 team than any warriors team has been since then in that they do not have to have insane shooting performances to get by they were really relying on on all the shooty hoop stuff in 2016 that's the, the the nasty secret was winning 73 games that team under the under the hood there were a lot more weaknesses with how that team performed in terms of defense they weren't quite as good they were a little bit more vulnerable should have still won the title they were still better than everybody else but they weren't quite as good this team reminds me a lot of that 2015 team and the honestly the board looks a lot like that 2015 year too in that we have like a lot of teams compromised by injuries. We have very, even the Cavs that year weren't awesome. They just weren't, they just weren't an incredible team. The 2016 team was really good, but the 2015 team honestly wasn't, you know, that Hawks team was just battered all the hell by the time that they faced the, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Raptors weren't ready, et cetera. And so when I look at the board, I do kind of think that, yes, like the Warriors should have been a part of it all the way. I still maintained it's one thing I would have felt differently if those, honestly, I'll say this. If the midseason matchups between Golden State and Phoenix had gone differently, I probably would not have been consistently betting them as I gave them out on mm. um, Futures Friday on NBA bet, NBA.com slash NBA bet a couple times throughout the year because, like, look, they showed they can beat Phoenix. They showed they do match up with Phoenix, and their number is decreasing because of these very temporary injuries. Uh, th- another thing I'll, I'll say I, I think we should learn, unless you get an injury that is like, absolutely 100% this person is not coming back. We shouldn't overreact. Like there was never as if you really, if you read the context of the, you have to pay attention or listen to this podcast. Cause I talked about it. The comments from golden state on Draymond were never like, we're really concerned. It was like, yeah, there's some back stuff. It's bad. He should be yeah. fine with Steph. It was like, yeah, he's hurt. He should be back. Like yeah. you got to read into that stuff and not get so caught up on, like, oh, no, he's out three weeks. And as a better, I think that oper- that provides value because while Phoenix was killing everyone, Golden State's numbers dipped. And so we wind up there. Yeah. Um, that, that was the miss for me is I misread the Draymond news. I, I believe I said on the Buckets podcast at some point in like March or April, when I felt like the Draymond news just had gone too far south, I think I straight up said they can't win the title this year, they're out. And it's because, like you said, not till you're age 35, Draymond only is, I think, 31 or 32. But Draymond is a big man, and big man injuries, back injuries, like that is bad, bad news and usually doesn't fix itself. So that, for me, when I saw that, and like we know how important Draymond is to the team, I was never worried about Steph. 
I was never worried about Clay because I don't think he's that vital to what the team is. I need Steph and Draymond. And I was out on the Warriors somewhere in the middle because I thought Draymond was cooked for the year at least. And that that was my misread. And I missed some of the value there. So Jeff Sherman, who works over at Superbook, has potential series prices, which he's been kind enough to, to offer up for these, these series. Um, let's assume the Celtics advance. Warriors minus 40, Celtics plus 120, right? I'll say this, it's going to be very tough for me to bet Warriors in this next series. That's kind of where I've come back around to. Uh, I have basically beat myself into submission on resisting the urge to be contrarian about Boston. That's what I want to do. I want to be contrarian about Boston. I don't think this is a super team. I don't think that they're as good as everyone acts like. I think they had a very easy run to the finals. I have to stay true to my prior, which was Boston has matched up extremely well. The problem, I think, on the series spread that we're going to face is based off of this line, Brandon, I think we're going to get something like Warriors minus one and a half is only going to be slightly better than minus 120. Celtics plus one and a half, I feel like is is I'm still going to have to pay juice on it. I feel like we're going to be like if you want to be aggressive on this series, you're going to have to wager that this is going to be a short series, which based on the matchup. I cannot get around to. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And I think we, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I think a possible edge and way to possibly get an advantage there. We now have seen the Warriors three times have a possible closeout game on the road that they mostly no-showed for. The Warriors, this year's Warriors, are 0-3 in road closeout games. Then they came home and took care of business not necessarily with ease, with ease against Dallas, but it was not easy against Memphis or against Denver. So I don't think you can necessarily look at them and be like, well, they, they didn't care. They wanted the gate money. They got the extra 10 million. They just threw it away and then came home and beat a team they knew they had beaten. That's what we say. That's what we think we saw, but that's really not what happened. Like Denver and Memphis pushed them all the way. But if you think that's a thing, and if you like Boston, or if you're leaning toward the value on Boston, then Boston in six which is game six is the home game. Golden State will be at home games one, two, five, and seven. So if you don't think the Warriors go on the road to a tough environment and win game six, and if you do think that Boston would need to win a home game six to win the series, that Boston doesn't go on the road in a game seven winner take all, if you think the home road thing is strong in both directions, then I think you have an angle to play on the series. Yeah, you make a really convincing argument. You've sold me. I think the best value that we're going to probably find right off the bat. Now, listen, we'll have podcasts breaking this down from every single angle starting on on, on Monday. Like yeah. we'll just have like everything that you need to know to bet the NBA finals. Um, probably starting Tuesday because Monday's the holiday. Uh, so like we'll have lots of stuff for you guys to cover, uh, for you guys to dive into. We'll, we'll cover this from every angle. But I do kind of think that, yeah, probably the way to do it is to go minus one and a half. And if you're like me, probably take the plus money on the, on the Celtics minus one and a half. And then you can hedge if you don't like the spot when Golden State gets there, if there's an injury like that, that's there's lots of things that we could not know about. Right. Like if it's yeah. game six and the Warriors had gone down three one, but they 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 won game five and now it's three two and you like the momentum, like whatever it is. I lean a little bit towards Boston to win the series. I think there's probably going to be value on it. I don't love the number. I'm not going to love the number to let you know, like you've got again. Uh, you've got Sherman who listed this at 
the Warriors minus 140, Celtics plus 120. What's interesting is that DraftKings, the Western Conference is minus 140, Celtics plus or Eastern Conference plus 115. And then exact outcome is what's interesting here. Right now, if you were to bet it, again, we're recording this on Friday uh, afternoon, Warriors to beat Celtics is minus 110. So I kind of wonder if the instability of not knowing whether the Celtics are for sure going to win that series is going to cause it. I wonder if this is going to be much closer to a pick em, which again, I think is just going to make this like a very hard series to bet. Like, I think it's going to have to yeah. be, I'll dive into all the stuff about the previous matchups. I'm going to go back to 2018 and go from there and try and get a sense for what these teams look like. I, I just, I lean towards Boston from a, <laughs> the Mavericks had never seen anything like the Warriors. And honestly, like the Celtics haven't seen anything like the Warriors either, but Golden State for sure has not seen a defense like Boston. Yeah, nothing like that. And if you're able to drag them down into the mud, Boston, I do think, is a little bit better suited for winning tight, yeah. ugly, tough shot-making games, even though I don't trust their shot makers as much. Now, on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest-growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now, you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, just choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under. For example, the number of points in basketball or hits in baseball or rebounds or stocks, whatever it is that you're into. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about the over-under on Sleeper is that's the only app where I can join my buddies' contest and play together. I have some real squares in my life that I'm looking forward taking some money off of it's got a built-in group chat where i can see and copy my friends picks with the tap of a button it's insanely fun to ride out together stop what you're doing and download sleeper now to play their new over under game have fun with your friends and make some money on your mobile phone join our listener group on sleeper at sleeper.com slash buckets and sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to 100 again go to sleeper.com slash buckets and you'll get a 100 match on your first deposit terms and conditions apply see sleepers terms of use for details let's hit real quickly on golden state finals mvp options because we can bet them right now steph curry is now plus 110 for a guy that has never won a finals mvp uh clay thompson is plus 1700 the second closest draymond is plus 1900 andrew wiggins is plus 2800 jordan Poole is plus 3500 at DraftKings to win finals MVP. And that's uh, Kavon Looney is plus uh, 10,000. <laughs> Not going to go with the, as no. great as Kavon has been. Kavon's been great. Uh, I bet Steph, I'll let you know, I bet I bet Steph at about 270 a couple weeks back to go ahead and get that number on the board. I wanted that number on the board. I put took Jason Tatum after game four or three. No, five. It was after game, sorry. It was after game five of the Buck series when they lost. So they had to win two in a row. And I was like, I think Boston can do this. So I took, I took Tatum then. So as always, I have prior positions to play with, but I will just say if I was not, if I was fresh to the market, I will just tell you right now, my play would be Clay Thompson at 17 to one. That's interesting. So I'm looking at right now, I'm looking at the list of finals MVPs and we know like part of the reason that Steph does not have an MVP is because the one year when he was the clear best player on the team and MVP of the NBA and won the title, 
in 2015. That's the year Andre Iguodala got it. Iguodala that season or that finals, here are his, here are his finals winning numbers. 7.8 points a game, 3.3 rebounds, 3 assists on 47% field goal percentage. Suffice to say, that is an outlier on the finals MVP numbers. The previous year, Kawhi Leonard won it at 13 points a game, 13 and 6. But since 2012, so the last decade of finals MVPs, every other finals MVP has averaged 25 points a game or more. At the end of the day, we still give MVP to the guy that scores all the points, just like we do with a lot of the other awards. We, we like the shooty hoops guys that get the points. Can Clay score 25 a game and win it? I will, I will challenge your presumption because you're, you're taking the data and you're working backwards. And this is what I would tell you. We reward the engine of the team. That's true. This is the problem. Steph is the, okay, I'm trying to think how to put this. Steph is the engine in that what he does causes the machine to go. But in reality, there's not one engine. There's three different engines. There's the supporting guard play from either Clay Thompson or Jordan Poole. There's Steph Curry and there's Draymond. And those work in synergy with the system. Kerr's system is more egalitarian than any other. I think it's wrong to ascribe and go, the finals MVP has scored 25 points a game because most offenses are built around a singular engine. That's fair. So Jordan was the engine for the Bulls, right? Um, Tim Duncan was the engine for those early 2000 Spurs teams. Dwayne Wade was the engine for the 2006 championship team. Dirk Nowitzki was the engine for the 2011 championship team. Um, In 2014, the absence of an engine led to Kawhi Leonard winning it. In 2015, the same Warriors team on the same precipice led to Andre Iguodala winning it because in the absence of an engine, they gave it to the guy that shut down the other engine, right? Then you have 2017, KD, 2018, KD. KD was more of an engine on those teams than anybody else because they had to reconfigure the entire team around him. Like the Warriors were not the same Warriors team with with KD. It was why like KD would go out and I I bet the Warriors to beat the Rockets after KD got hurt because I knew they would go back to that engine. And so my argument here is Clay Thompson will probably guard Tatum a ton. Clay Thompson will have opportunities to shoot on the switch. They will probably find ways to get Derek White split onto him. Clay has looked really good off the dribble at times. And while you ask the question of 25 points a game, what if he has like a 40 point game, which is entirely possible from Clay Thompson, his highs are still really high versus if you're the, if you're the, the Celtics, you are the best team alive to guard Steph Curry because you are the best off ball switching team in the league. You have clean switches all the way through. You never fuck up your switches, which is how you contain Steph on the relocate. So to me, I think the value is on Clay, then Poole, then Draymond, then Steph, based off of where the numbers are. If you ask me who's most likely to win, I would say, look, it's, it's Steph. It's Steph. He, he's the best player on the, best te- on the championship team. I'm with you there. But I do think that the context of how this team plays gives you value on Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, and Draymond. That all of that is compelling. I, I agree that like Clay certainly can put up huge numbers. Jordan Poole obviously can. I've talked about I have a pre-playoff 200 to one on Jordan Poole. Draymond, I we have long talked about how important he is to this team and the engine he is on both sides of that. I agree certainly on his value. For me. If you are betting a Warriors Finals MVP, based on what we've seen in, in the two months of playoffs so far, 
to me, it's Stafford Pass. Okay. I, I totally disagree on the order. And I don't think there's great value on it. Like, I understand you're saying we're, we're kind of opposite here. Normally, I would be playing the 17 and 20 to ones because like, yeah, but couldn't you imagine a one out of 20 scenarios where Jordan Poole has the big games and comes through? Yeah, I can imagine that. But I don't think I can imagine any scenarios where the Warriors win the finals and Steph didn't play well enough to be close enough to still get the MVP. I agree that the Celtics are a really rough matchup for him. It's why I think I probably lean toward the Celtics also, like you're saying. Like, this is why I've I've thought that the physicality uh, of whatever team came out of the East, Milwaukee or Boston or Miami, were the three that I've been waiting on this whole time. And I, I, I bet on Golden State to lose in the finals. Like this, whatever matchup I thought was going to be a problem defensively because I thought it's going to be a problem for Steph. I, I still think that. So, yeah, I... I just think that we know the narrative is a big part of it, how much we don't know, but the narrative on Steph for years has been, he doesn't have that finals MVP. We know that that's the whole thing. We know now that we've just had two years with no worries in the playoffs. We might not get any more chances to give him a finals MVP. I, I think if it's even remotely close, people are going to trend toward wanting to vote for him. And I think that for the Warriors to win a title, his numbers are going to be have to have to be good enough to get him close. Like if, if there's like, think of this series, you're right. Andrew Wiggins should be the MVP of this series. I said before the series, I thought Draymond should be the, the MVP. He hasn't been. Wiggins has been awesome. You could make a case. Kevon Looney has been awesome, but none of those cases matter unless Steph also led the team in scoring every game like he did and did all the Steph things. So it's always like, well, Wiggins, but Steph, like there's, it always has to be there somebody else, maybe clay or pool are the somebody else, but the, but stuff or, or stuff will always be there. And I think he's going to win that argument every time. I disagree entirely based off of the fact that you have to look at who the voting pool is, man. Uh, Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy are likely to be very resistant to the idea because those guys value defense. Those guys value defense a lot. And they really pay attention to, for all the problems with Mark Jackson, they do really pay attention to like what decided the series. And some of this is just like the, the star performances are baked in, man. Like, yeah, Steph scored 25. Congrats. You're supposed to, you're Steph Curry, but did you decide the series? No. Uh, There are other voters that are in print that I think that are long-term guys that have that you're right. There will probably be like a, it'd be really good to give Steph one they take this seriously enough not to fall into that trap because it's not fair to the other players. If you got outplayed, if somebody else is more important, like you could trust these guys not to do that. It's one thing if it's a hundred media vote panel and there's a lot of guys that don't take it that seriously, the people at these games will take it that seriously. The people that voted for this will take it that seriously. So I don't think your narrative play is is sound here. No, I, I, I agree. Like I'm not trying to say they don't take it seriously. I just also give those people credit for taking seriously the importance of what this means historically and that like that their goal of like, I want to take this vote seriously for this finals MVP, but I also want to perhaps correct the error of past MVPs and make sure Steph has one of these no, before not, all of a sudden. No, fuck that. Steph did not deserve it any of the years. I'll just tell you, he wasn't that great in any of these series. He just hasn't been. That's fine. Like Steph can be the greatest shooter of all time and a top five player of all time in terms of his, his winning and his impact on the game. And we don't have to sit there and just be like, oh, we need to get it to him because he's Steph Curry and the shooty hoops. Like we don't have to do that. So I, I just reject the idea that he that he deserves one because he didn't get the other ones. Win the thing. Go out and have, if he scores 35 a game, 
I'm going to be like, yeah, it was him. Like, come on. It's not going to. <laughs> so that's the thing. That's the <laughs> thing. Um, one other thing. You can get 115 at FanDuel. So if you want to free roll this a little bit, right? You're, the other odds are so long. Take staff at plus 115 and use that 15 percentage point margin as your, as your margin and take one of the other guys, whether it's Clay or Jordan yeah. Poole or Wiggins or whoever. I don't, um, I will tell you, I don't like Draymond in the spot because there's nobody on either team that he would face where Draymond would be so impactful yeah, that like, I agree that he's going to be able to get there. Jason Tatum is not going to be like, Ooh, let me get Draymond green switched on me. That's not yeah. what's going to happen. They're going to try and negate yeah. him. And so Draymond's not going to be able to do the things defensively. And he definitely can't provide enough offense to go the yeah, other way. I, I agree with that. And Jason Tatum is not going to get shut down so badly that they're like, we have to give Draymond the MVP because he took Jason Tatum out of the series. Like that's not how the Warriors defend. And that's, Everybody knows that. So Draymond is going to be important, but not go, he's not going to have the numbers. We already know he's not going to have the numbers. So, but he's not going to have that other compelling angle. The Iguadala, I guarded LeBron, the Kawhi guarded LeBron. Like the Celtics don't have that version. Yep. And Draymond wouldn't be the one guarding him or the only one guarding him anyway. So I agree that I think I think your ordering of the other three names is right. Clay is the starter and going to get more minutes and can always put up the eight threes in a game sort of thing and can put up that 40 point game pools off the bench and pool can get targeted. And we don't know exactly what he'll look like against a team this good or how much he'll even get to play. So I think between those two, I think, I think your order is right for me. You, know, you talked about the play staff and I think the way I'm looking at it and I was doing the numbers on this earlier, I may have missed the window because I think Steph's number is a little short now because I'm leaning towards Celtics on the series, but because I like Golden State at home in game one, I was thinking, okay, can I play staff MVP before the series at plus 115 or whatever it's at, and then wait till after game one and come back on Celtics in the series at what I assume would be something close to plus 200, yeah. plus 175. Yeah. And that's my angle is, I don't know who is on the Celtics. We'll get there in a different podcast if they make the finals. They are more, there are more options to win finals MVP on Boston to me. Oh, really? Than there are Golden State. Wow. I think, I think Golden State is stuff for nothing. I think Boston wow. has three or four guys that I could talk myself into it being. This is going to be, we're, such a good, this is gonna we're be different good, on this. Yeah. This is going to be such a good pot on Monday. You've got like five minutes of stuff on the Warriors trivia. I want to save it. We'll do like five minutes of Warriors trivia and actionable stuff and five minutes of Boston Celtics like extemporanea on the Monday episode. Have yourselves a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy Memorial Day. We'll be back on Tuesday to get you set for the NBA finals, regardless of who comes out of the Eastern Conference. We think it's going to be Boston. Uh, make sure to download the Action Network app. You can follow Brandon in that for all of his picks. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time. Let's get buckets.